Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Here for another of our uh, special January daily episodes of the podcast. And on this episode, we've got a really special guest. Um, Peyton, why don't you introduce the guest? Well, I suppose if church planning were kind of like a family, right, or la familia, if, if we were an organized crime institution, we have on board today the godfather, right? <laughs> this is uh, Ed Stetzer. Uh, president of Lifeway Research. Uh, he's written tons of books. Um, he writes regularly for Christianity Today. Um, he does all kinds of stuff. He's popping up at all conferences. Uh, he heads Lifeway Research, which is invaluable to church planners. And of course, you probably, if you're interested in church planner, know Ed a lot better than you know us. And uh, he hosts an incredible interview, which uh, is called The Exchange and you can check that out at edstetzer.com. He's written uh, back all the way from 2003. He's written Planning New Churches in a Postmodern Age. He's a bit ahead of the curve on the church uh, as far as that term, uh, although it, it had been around for a while. Uh, you know, It wasn't really something that people were really talking about. Um, he's got another book uh, called The Subversive Kingdom, viral churches, and uh, he's just got tons of them. You can go to edstetzer.com and check them all out. Ed, welcome onto the show. Well, appreciate so much your invitation. Looking forward to our time and conversation today. Absolutely. We are as well. And uh, Ed, give us a little bit of your background and your call to planning. Sure, sure. I I grew up on uh, Long Island, just outside of New York City, uh, nominally Catholic home, uh, would later come to faith in Christ. And actually, the first church I was majorly involved with was a uh, was a new church. And so as a uh, as a young man got involved in a new church in a mainline denominational tradition and and I guess I didn't really think that it was uh, sinking in but it it seemed to do so. I saw men and women coming to hear the good news of the gospel. I saw people change by its power 
and I saw the vibrancy that was present in a new church. And so later I would uh, go to college and right out of college planted my first church. We moved to the wow. inner city of Buffalo, New York and planted a church there among the urban poor. Wow. That is killer. Very cool. Ed, what are, um, what are some of the uh, mistakes that you've made or maybe the, the biggest lessons that you've learned over the years in, in being involved in church planning? Well, you know, I, I, a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, the, uh, you know, I actually did a seminar, I think, on that, a catalyst a few years ago of the top mistakes I made in church planting. And, and I think there were seven. I could have gone 50. You know, it's, I, I think for, for me and for a lot of people, most of the mistakes were um, kind, of, kind of mistakes of, of, of a personal nature. You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't treasure my marriage enough and, and my relationship with my wife. I, um, I didn't uh, value and tend to my personal spiritual life enough, uh, my physical life, things of that sort. Um, so that would probably be, if you look categories, one of them would be those kind of mistakes. And I actually, you know, I've planted several churches. And so I've gotten to the place now where I think that I've learned, hopefully, I've learned enough to avoid some of those mistakes. Uh, there were some mistakes I made that were more uh, kind of strategic mistakes. And I think a lot of church planners do that. I've I've, uh, I planted a church in my head too much. You know, I go to a conference, get an idea. You know, I planted a church in Erie, Pennsylvania, but I was, I was overly influenced by a church plant that I, a major church I wanted to be like. So our, I tried to basically, you know, marry this, this church planting model when really I needed to be on mission. And so I've made some mistakes with that. I, I made some leadership mistakes. I tried to plant a church once with uh, kind of three equal leaders, you know, kind of a shared Co- try co-pastor thing that just didn't work, um, and so you know the the you know those things along the way. Lots of mistakes to uh, have been made. I've made many of them, and but at the end of the day, you know God's gracious and good and patient with us, and and we've been able to see the Lord do some pretty neat things. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about Grace Church, where you're at now in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Yeah, we you know I lived here for a while. I was um, being what's called an interim pastor. You know, I, I run Lifeway Research. That's my job. And, uh, but I, you know, I have a heart for the church. So I was preaching at other people's churches, actually a traditional church. I never, I never done that before. People, uh, dressed up for church. You know, I, I planted multiple churches, never been in a traditional church in my life. And so, um, uh, or a pastor of a traditional church, I should say. So I served there and I served another church in a crisis. And, but I got to the place where, um, you know, I, I was kind of, I've been living here for three or four years. This is clear, you know, where we're going to stay and for a while. And, I didn't just want to preach somewhere else. I needed my family plugged into a church. My, you know, I was in the process of engaging my neighbors. I really have a strategy to reach my eight immediate neighbors for the gospel. Um, and so kind of looking ahead, I began to say, you know, we need to be in a church. We need to have a church to, for our neighbors. We have a small group in our home. Um, met, met last night. So, so what we decided to do, we prayed about it, and we said we're going to plant a church. Now, because I have a full-time job, um, I, I needed to do it differently. You know, I'm not like most people who listen to this, I, I am actually not the pastor that is, uh, you know, full-time in the church. Matter of fact, I'm unpaid. I'm a, I'm a volunteer at the church, the church plant, but I am the lead pastor. So I, mm. uh, you know, about three years ago, we, we launched a little less than three years ago, over two years coming up on our third, we planted in a movie theater. We, you know, a regular theater that shows movies at noon, uh, sometimes earlier, if it's a big hit that weekend, um, we've grown from, uh, uh, you know, from we just started uh, a little less than three years ago to I don't know maybe 350, uh, 360 people a week. Now we have two campuses, 
Um, now we had a, an old church building, uh, old as in you know 50 years old, but the church has sort of declined. And so we we have two locations. I preach at 9:45 at the theater, and then I drive and I preach at 11 o'clock uh, at the at the church building. And so we're excited about what the Lord's doing. We're we're raising up some church planners, uh, missionaries, sending some people out. Um, oh. We're seeing some some uh, some good response to from the community and trying to live you know live as agents of God's mission here. So it's 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 been it's been neat. I guess you know for me, you know as you know I train pastors and church planners you know around the world. I just think that you can't lead what you don't live. Mm. And for me, you know, going around saying you should do this and that, and I'm not doing it. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I go out and I preach at somebody else's church. I preached a couple weeks ago down in Miami. And, you know, when I do that, it's great. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, but, you know, I, I, ha- I have a real world ministry. I sit um, in, across the table from people who are struggling. I preach. And sometimes I had a lady yesterday who started a conversation with me in the middle of my sermon um, you know, so it, it keeps me real, not just the guy who talks to, to, uh, to lights in a green room at a big church. Mm, that's awesome. And it's not like when you're, I mean, kind of what's cool about, uh, the fact that you're, you're pastoring a church is you've got all these books and you've written about church planning and, um, you know, many of us have read your books, um, you know, being a, a church planning church, you know, with, uh, viral churches and things like that must be really cool to like actually go to your church and see this stuff put into practice. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, you're uh, having a disagreement with some of your leadership and it's like, they can never say to you, Ed, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about, but the reason I don't know it is because we're trying it out with real life, uh, real life experience. So no, I, 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 you know, for me, I just, I don't think you know, I get disturbed sometimes when you have experts in the church who never talk about how they're pouring their lives into the church. You know, you can't you can't love Jesus and ignore his his wife. And I think that that for all of us, we need to be much more serious uh, about the church. She's not perfect, but it's the bride of Christ. Um, and 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 I just for me, I just want to invest in. It. I want my kids to see that we love the church and we're engaging in the church. Mm. That's awesome. Hey, Ed, let me ask you real quickly, since you've got a, a church that, uh, or at least did um, meet in a movie theater, what have you found that have, has been beneficial to that or, or maybe not has been beneficial to that? I mean, how has that experience played out in, in your church plants? It's been mixed, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't want to. I don't know how much I want to get into that without getting, uh, you know, people riled up at the movie theater. Um, you know, it's it, it's been. We love the location. Um, it's it's people, unchurched people, know exactly where it is. They go to it. Um, it's. I mean, we. My daughter, she's fifteen, and uh, she tells me that she thinks it's cool. She can bring her friends to it. So there's a certain sense that unchurched people have a good connection. It's a good facility. Uh, the challenge is, is that sometimes it's sort of, it's, you know, it, the theater, the theater has to be, uh, you know, and, and you, you have hundreds of, there are actually uh, hundreds of churches that are meeting in theaters across the United States, but you have to have a desire on the part of the local theater and the national leadership to make that happen and to happen well. If not, you're always kind of having some challenges. So we really go to great efforts to try to build relationships uh, with the local management, things of that sort, but it's not been without its, it's not been without its challenges. And so that's what, um, you know, we're just always consistently trying to, trying to work those through. So I would generally recommend it, but what I would say 
is to make sure that the uh, the people you're working with on the national level, you know, because it's usually, right. um, you know, they usually have a national chain, and the people working with you on the local level both are enthusiastic about having you there and try to get them to to be enthusiastic. But as far as I mean, we just we find it a great location. Everyone knows uh, where it is, and 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 it's a safe place for them to come. Mm. That's awesome. What's been your uh, your absolute favorite thing you've ever done in church planning? It could be like the wildest thing, could be the funniest thing, could be you know most. Yeah, most you know, I'm people. I'm very driven by seeing um, men and women trust and follow Christ, and so and the results of that. So probably the best thing we ever did was one day we we had uh, we baptized uh, 51 new believers one day, and I think that was probably the great for me. I look at that as kind of the best. Hmm the best day that we had. And it was just so, just the Lord used it in such a, such a powerful way. Um, you know, probably the, the thing I enjoy the most, you know, I've got a, I got a guy in our small group that I've had the privilege to lead to the Lord, baptizing his wife. Um, and every time I see him, I, we talk and he says, you know, I, I did this, shared this with my friend or, you know, he's a contractor. And he says, uh, I told the guys we meet at six, but I'm going to meet at five forty-five. Anyone want to come to, I'm going to read some Bible to him. And I love how he calls it, read some Bible to him. And, and he says, a couple of guys are coming and I'm trying to share with them. And so, so I, I say to Donna, my wife, I'll turn to her after we meet, you know, see this guy. And he tells me another thing that God's doing in his life. And I'll say, that's why I love church planning to see the life change in this contractor just changed mm. by the power of the gospel in a remarkable way. It's just, it's just amazing. Amen. And you know what? I, I it's funny you say that because I I find myself saying that exact same thing to people all the time, who have come with us in our church plant, which is inner city Long Beach. Uh, and you know, for for them, it's been an education. I I find I'm still in school. You know, it's always an yeah. education for me. I'm always learning. Always kind of like, wow, God, I didn't, I didn't know you did that. That that's pretty cool. But but that's exactly we we often turn to each other and say that same thing. Yeah, isn't that cool? And that's and that's what gets you through because you know I'll get I'll get some letter, somebody complaining about this or that, or I'll you know I have to do a, I'll do a news interview and I'm working to you know get some research out and but then I I remember um, I remember this you know, or not just him but there's several um, you know I got another set of neighbors just three houses down they'll be baptizing in our next you know they're recently new believers and so you know just that kind of stuff it's just to me the it brings me a great sense of joy. Sure, sure. What you know, you, you've got your your finger firmly planted on the pulse of of church planning, and uh, from your point of view, what's the biggest challenge to planting right now? You know, I think I think probably, and and it's tricky to figure out, you know, which exactly it is, but I think probably it is the uh, the a lot of the models that we've sort of inherited. Um, inherited is the wrong term. That, that really were very successful in years before are less so. So for example, you know, I, I've got the privilege of planting churches in the nineties. Gosh, I guess I want to plant it in. I planted first church in 88 to eighties, nineties, the, the, the aughts, you know, the, the, the zeros through tens. And then now that's kind of weird. Um, but I will tell you that the easiest time I had was planting churches in the nineties. You know, we planted um, three churches in uh, the Erie, Pennsylvania area, Northwest Pennsylvania, and all three of them had our 200 at their first service. We sent out mailers, people would come, um, hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I think that um, that the thing that they would, um, would, would, would see today is that there's less, um, there's just less 
there's not this whole group of receptive and responsive people who are sitting at home waiting for a new church that would be different than the church they left 30 years ago. Yeah. I think that those people have already, the, the receptive responsive people like that have already responded to somebody else that planted a church or some other church that's gone in a new direction. So I think it's, it, to me, I like it. That gives me an opportunity to reach more unchurched people relationally. But I think that's a big part. It takes a greater relational investment, mm-hmm. uh, maybe longer might be another way to put it. Now, it's different in different places. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Northeasterner. I grew up in, uh, outside of New York City. So that's different. So now I'm in Nashville. So we still did have, you know, over 200 people at our first service. But, but part of that is because is it's Nashville. I, I don't imagine that you would have the same result in Maine. I, I recently preached yeah. up in Maine at yeah. a vineyard church, and it just would be a different response and timing and, you know, and those sorts of things. So I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is that, that the, 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 there was more, when, when church planning was newer and really, you know, churches that focused on reaching unchurched people were, were newer. Um, I think there was an immediate five or six years of just, you know, great stories of powerful responses. I still think we get them some. I was I had uh, lunch with uh, uh, Derwin Gray, um, mm-hmm. uh, John Piper on last Friday, and and Derwin, you know, I forget. I think it was he had like seven hundred people at his first per- per- service in Charlotte, which is nuts. Um, but but what I you but you know too, he's Derwin Gray. He's like a yeah, yeah. football player and all that sort of stuff. So um, so you know, I think that's probably the biggest shift, and I think that makes a challenge too because a lot of the the literature, like when I wrote planning missional churches. We were sort of in that change over time. So, there, so I wrote a chapter specifically on, you know, churches using the large launch, and there's still churches that are doing that. But then I also wrote that a lot of churches now are moving in a more missional, incarnational direction. And part mm-hmm. of that is theological, but part of that's cultural because yeah. you can't go to Maine, you know, you can't go to the uh, Pathway Vineyard where I was. If they're planning a daughter church in uh, Portland, Maine, they can't send out twenty thousand mailers and have two hundred people show up at the first service. It just, right. they're just not their people around doing it. You're gonna have to build relationships reach people and, and, you know, the gospel is still the same, but the delivery maybe takes a little bit of a difference. I hope that answer wasn't too long there, but I hope that makes no, sense. That's great. It's great. You know, it, it's funny because we talked on one of the podcasts uh, last week, I think it was our last recording. We talked about what does a launch look for or look like for a missional community? And, 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 and people were starting to ask that question. What, what does that look like? You know, does that even apply? But uh, I think it does, but I think, you know, uh, yeah, you have to approach these things or, uh, with these different models. There's still the concept there, but, uh, but gosh, it's going to be completely different. And I connect with that because I was in Europe for, uh, 12 years. I was in Wales and they were, uh, very unchurched. And we, uh, you know, our launch, it, it, churches started accidentally there. You know, Rick Warren had the purpose driven church. We had the accident driven church. And, there you go. Basically, it was because, you know, you would just be doing outreach and when outreach was, uh, you know, effective, churches happen. And that was, you know, perhaps maybe now the model, you know, some guys are out there and they're like, I'm going to start a church. And the focus is on the church rather than perhaps on outreach, you know, where you see Paul preaching the gospel and um, he doesn't, he's not necessarily thinking, well, I'm going to go to this town and start a church. He's going there and preaching the gospel. And as it, as it's fruitful, then a church starts off that. And of course he's planting it. That's right. I was in uh, Australia recently and, and there's a group that I was working with down there. They have this great phrase. They're trying to 
they got a church planning strategy for Australia, and they, they their words were they want to evangelize into existence hundreds of multiplying churches, and awesome. and I I, I I like that phrase evangelize into existence. What you do is you plant the gospel, and when the gospel takes root and lives are changed, ultimately what happens is is that you 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 see churches that are planted and multiplied. So I do think there's a strategic sense. I, I do think Paul went to make converts that would then he would appoint elders in every town, et cetera, et cetera. But fundamentally, he was he was he was a gospel planter, um, and 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 the gospel was proclaimed, and the church would then emerge out of that gospel proclamation. So now I want to interview you about your time in Wales, but I'm I know that you're interviewing me, but I'm intrigued by that. I was just talking to my daughter about. Well, first I was trying to explain how Wales is a country, but Great Britain anyway. I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> Just, just no, Wales her. is not England, and you know. Anyway, right. but but after I got through all trying to explain the the British Isles, which is a nightmare of seventeen different definitions, um, <laughs> it is it, it's it's. You know, I'll be there um, next year teaching some, and so just interesting to see all that's uh, all that's going on. Where where are you going, by the way, in the UK? Uh, I, I, I'm supposed to teach at Oxford and then speak at um, a couple of conferences there. We're still working out the, the the local folks are still working out some of the some of the details. So still not sure, but still okay. still working out some of the specifics. I, not, I, I won't be in say, Wales though. Oh, okay. Oh, you're not going to Wales. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I often I often introduce it as the forgotten part of the United Kingdom, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, true. it was it was phenomenal there. I mean, it was. Uh, I, yeah, I well, you see, my off, people, I, I'm Irish, and yeah, I'm yeah. Irish, and so I'm mad at Wales. You know, and so, <laughs> so you got to remember that we're still a little bitter about you guys. But anyway, so you of went there course. to plant a church. I did, yeah. yeah in fact, um, I started off at Lloyd Jones's church and uh, was the evangelist. Yeah. There, had not a clue what I was doing. And uh, we started seeing people saved in the factories because, of course, you know, it was post-industrial South Wales and 60 to 70 percent unemployment. And, um, you know, I, I had to go work in a factory when 11 hit. And uh, so I had to pay the bills. And that's where people started coming to faith. And um, nice. it, it was phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, you know, but we, you know, we would start churches out of Starbucks around Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code because, you know, somebody would, uh, that was on the top, you know, best-selling list and, and people were readers there because it rains all the time. So um, <laughs> I threw a group one night and 30 people turned up and that turned into a church. It was great. It was wonderful. That's great. I love it. I love it. So were you out of Westminster Chapel or out of one of the dark no, churches or what? Yeah, no, I was in uh, Sandfields down in uh, Sandfield, sure, sure. Yeah, so yeah. I was there. But uh, oh, that's funny because the uh, the Irish, you know, and the Welsh, yeah, there is that rivalry. And 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 depending on where you're at, the Irish say that the uh, the Welsh were the Irish who couldn't swim to get away from the English. And of course, the Welsh say that the uh, the Irish were Welsh who could swim to get away from the English. <laughs> so. Exactly right. Exactly right. Lots of lots of fun rivalry, but at the same time, we both the Welsh and the Irish have in common that we all don't like the English. So there you of go. Of course. Well, you know the Celts and the uh, the. Germanics. That's that's exactly what's going on. There is a racial divide exactly. that most Americans uh, probably are, are unaware about. But that they're now, all of course, you know we've probably bored everybody listening to the podcast talking hey, about again the British Isles. Hey, it's our podcast. We can talk about whatever that's we right. want. <laughs> and Ed wanted no one to may talk listen, about that, but we can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> hey, Ed is the godfather of church planning. If the godfather tells you he wants to talk about the British Isles, that's what you talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
Yeah, you know, so there's a video too. You can watch videos and learn about all that sort of stuff. So you know, it's like a little video how how you know like the British Isles and, and how Great Britain is a collection of nations, but then some of the isles around Great Britain aren't. So we'll just bore everybody with this. So. Absolutely. In fact, we should play these live on the air right now. You but, should. Uh, <laughs> hey Ed, so the the future of of church planning, where I think you hinted at it a little bit already. You know, where you just put your finger on the pulse of where things are at. Where do you where do you see church planning going in the future now? What are some of the trends? Well, you yeah, see, part of the thing is I don't, I don't see you know I don't see a future. I see futures, hmm. and the futures are going to include. There's still going to be churches that are planted the way that uh, most churches were planted in the last 20 years, and they're going to do uh, you know big outreach campaigns and tell people about the church and have a core group, and then they're going to go public in a public launch service, and there's still going to be lots of that, lots of that. Um, at the same time, there's going to be um, organic house church movements that are going to multiply in major cities and sometimes smaller communities. There's going to be uh, so there's going to be there's going to be all there's going to be different futures. You know, there's, I was looking. I'm going to be a few weeks down in uh, Austin, Texas, meeting with uh, Lutherans that are kind of looking at a church planning strategy among sacramental church planners. And there's there's an interest and a hunger for some of that for the liturgy. And, and so there are going to be churches that are reaching unchurched people and, and like that. And 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 you know. Pentecostals and Charismatics just came back from Canada with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and 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 so so it's hard because people often want like what's is there is there a trend? No, there's not a trend. There's trends, and mm. and so what I would say is I think we're going to continue to see church planning to be a um, growing uh, growing phenomenon. I think I think we're seeing um, we're seeing uh, how, how, the 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 people are increasingly being drawn to church planting. Because established churches are 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 struggling, and uh, particularly in, in older denominations, and so there's new life. And so what we're happening is that probably the biggest trend in Protestantism, again to get technical, is the move towards non-denominational large churches, and a lot of those are churches that are being planted, and growing large and being significant and influential. A lot of counter trends in there, but I think that's some of the the bigger trends. I think that if I were um, a church planner today, if I was starting out today. I would also look to say, okay, the opportunities for this large launch church planting is uh, is is probably less common, maybe less fruitful. I think I would ask, and this would be the biggest trend I would point to. Uh, I just did an interview with Hugh Halter about this on my blog. People could find it at edstetzer.com. Uh, I, I would ask the question, um, what skills could I have to support me, so my family, so that I could then plant a church um, and not feel a pressure to bring in a bunch of Christians so I can fund the church quick enough to make it self-supporting and I don't have to, you know, be in the unemployment line. Uh, now, again, I, I'm not paid by my church, but to be fair, I mean, I'm, I'm a full-time, you know, Christian speaker and writer, so that's, sure. that's not the same thing. But I would say, what skill could I have? And there are certain skills that do well. Steve Shogren talks about this in his book on church planning. Certain skills that do well, uh, certain skills that don't. But that's that's what I would do as I kind of prepare for the trends in the future is I would take a longer term view of of what it looks like to 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 get a church established. Yeah, you know, and I I, I saw your interview with you on uh, on Bivo and I thought it was excellent. And, you know, his um, one of the things he maintains is that he, he foresees that, you know, the justification for. Uh, a gospel worker being full-time paid, um, supported, is that he reproduces himself. And I thought that was brilliant. And I, and I actually think that's, that's pretty biblical. 
But um, it's one of the things that, that's been a frustration as I've looked at the church. I wrote a book called Church Zero. Cha-ching! We do that on the show. We, we plug our own book. You know, you got you to <laughs> That you was a little of the brick. That's right. And uh, so, you know, the uh, one of the things that, that I argue in there is that money gets in the way. Actually needing to be full-time supported is it, it, it's hindering the gospel because we might actually be limiting and and I am supported, you know, all, almost full time. I'm I'm still by though, but um, it 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 will often affect where we go to church plant. We might not go to the inner city. No, you've done urban church planning. It's it's a lot more difficult to be sustained financially in communities like that. And uh, we've tended to kind of go in the same channels, maybe the middle class. You know, we talked about the UK and how you have. Um, you know, the English only went as far as the what you know, uh, historians say they, they conquered the lowland areas. And if you look at the borders of Scotland and Wales, that's where the, the, the mountains start because they had the hill yeah. forts. And we're doing that in church circles right now where we're tending to go to the easier places. And I, I personally believe finances are play a big role in that. Yeah, and I would say if you want to pastor a cool, successful church, you're going to go to the lowlands, to use your metaphor. You're going to go to the lowlands and you're going to, um, you're going to plant in a rapidly growing suburban area. Now, now, now just full disclosure, I'm in a rapidly growing suburban area. So, sure. so uh, it happens to be where I live, but I'm in a rapidly growing suburban area. Um, I, it's not always where I've been, you know, you're Pennsylvania, not growing Buffalo, New York, fastest shrinking city in America in the inner city. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, so I'm not, I'm not the demographic selector for church planning. I, I, yeah, I went absolutely. to the places where nobody else wanted to go, but I would say you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I blew insulation. That was my job. Um, and I planted a church uh, on the side. Uh, what I, what I would say is if we're going to see, uh, church planting significantly advanced, it's going to be with people making decisions, not on, and I can have a cool self-supporting church in a really great area. It's going to have to be a call of God to mm. challenging cities, uh, really to cross-culturally to unreach people groups. And that's going to require sometimes dual vocation, bivocational ministry. Uh, sometimes it's got, even that's not going to be possible among some you know, unreached people groups where we're going to be planting churches as missionaries. But I, I, think, you're, I think you're right. I think Hugh's onto something, and you're, and you're even your discussion here is, but again, it's tricky because both you and I are full-time or yeah. you're close to full-time, but I'm full, I got a full-time job. And so it's sort of, you know, it's very easy to sit back and say, you shouldn't do what I have. Um, but, <laughs> but I do think, you know, my, I mean, this is my field, you know, PhD is my PhD is in missiology. I can tell you for missiology that money is always a detriment to uh, missions around yes. the world. It, it's, yes. it's, uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it's often help, but it's always a, a challenge. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that's the, that's the thing that I think we've got to recognize. And, and right now, we're over-professioned. We're over-professioned. We have uh, too many people seeing ministry as a profession, and too much of church planting has been clergified. It's been focused around clergy. It's been clergified, and I think we've got to break that pattern. Yeah, absolutely. Ed, it has been awesome having you. We want to uh, honor the uh, time limit because we know you're a busy dude. My first question to you was... Uh, how do you do it all, man? Um, you uh, are you've provided church planners out there with invaluable resources. Uh, if those listening have not 
uh, checked out Lifeway Research, um, gone to Lifeway and checked out. You might just know them as the the Christian bookstore, but uh, they are quite a sizable um, entity. They, I mean, they do. Uh, I sat with one of your assistants, John Wilk, and on the phone, and he mentioned to me, "Now, which part of Lifeway do you want to talk about?" It was huge, and uh, we just want to thank you for Church Planners Everywhere yeah. for the research that you've done. And uh, for also your heart. I mean, I, I, I think what is awesome about you, Ed, is you are a, an omnivorous uh, church planter. You love it all. And that comes through in everything that you write. Uh, when you speak, you love the body of Christ. And uh, thank you from Church Planners. And uh, thanks for being here today. Man, well, you know, I, I love serving the church, but I, I always have a, a special place in my heart, both as a church planter. That's how I started, 20, 21 years old. Um, and, and where I am now, when I, when I have at the time, I want to put in my volunteer heart and my mission at the planet church. So I love what you're doing. You guys keep up the good work. All right. Well, this has been the church planner podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones, nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the church planner podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Mm-hmm.